As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Today's episode of 4 to 6 with AMB is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, time for a pop quiz. Do you think Ohio State tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time. The ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from the seat where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. It's four to six with A and B. Ari, you have any uh, big bye week plans? Yeah, I'm a groomsman in a wedding. Shout out to my buddy Tim Kosh. It's in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is the... Uh, God, I love Asbury Park. Yeah, home of the boss, right, or something? It's not the home of the boss, but... First big concert or frequent, something? Frequent in that area, for sure, yeah. 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 You're going to go to the Stone Pony, see a rock show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, but uh, it's going to be a nice time. I'm, very look- I'm looking forward to it. I'm toying with the idea. I'm, I'm probably not going to do it, but I was... Uh, seriously searching it last night, Sunday night, uh, with the idea of going down to Baton Rouge to go to the LSU Florida game. That'd be so awesome. Tickets were kind of reasonable. What's reasonable? $100. To get into that game? Yeah. Like, were you in the last row? Probably, but I still think that's reasonable to get into that game. I've always wanted to see a game there. Speaking of reasonable and speaking of bi-week plans and weddings, I was just wondering, if you're one of your best friends was getting married and they did this for a living would you coordinate your wedding because like i know one of your friends did and my buddy tim didn't do it on purpose but it just like it worked out perfectly yeah but like that would be like like and what would you do would you you miss game right because i would miss the game if he didn't it depends on the person yeah like i've had a friend of mine uh three years ago made his wedding on ohio state's bye week so that i could be in it and then that is friendship Yes, I very much appreciate. I told him he didn't have to do what he did it anyway. I really appreciated it. And then last year, another friend of mine that was in Philadelphia, or that was in Pittsburgh. Then last year, a friend of mine got married in Philadelphia on a Friday. It was before oh. Ohio State played Indiana, so I went to the wedding Friday night and then started my drive back from Philadelphia Friday night and got back to Columbus in time for. Yeah, that was the day Saturday. where you had like three total hours of sleep that week. Yeah, I might have fallen asleep in the press box. He was looking pretty haggard. But no, if I yeah, it's easy for me to say if I was planning a wedding and it was in the fall. Um, I don't and think I, I ever would. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would make it a bye week if I had a, if I had a buddy buddy who was covering a team. No, I don't think I would. I would ever change my wedding plans around a other person's job. Like that person's anniversary that you were that coordinated their wedding is forever going to be defined by when you were available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's important in this scenario? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Yeah, it's the big guy. It's a bye week, in case you haven't noticed, as we're talking about weddings. Uh, Ohio State coming off of a 34-10 to win over Michigan State. Now they enter an off week 
before they come back and go on the road again against Northwestern. It's kind of a weird setup for Ohio State. They're off this week. They come back. They play two games. Then they're off again. And then they get sort of into the stretch run of the season. Uh, but it's it's a midway point. They played six games, and, and we wanted to kind of take a step back at the midway point of the season and and do a one a reassessment, I think, of, of what we expected um, th- this to look like at this point. And, and I imagine for both of us it's, it's a little different, even if the record is – what we imagine, I don't think get, the way they got to this point is what we thought it would be or what we thought it would look like. We did over-unders before the season. We're going to track those and see. I am pretty wrong on one already that we've talked about before, but I think, Ari, you were mostly right, which is shocking. Is it? No. I, I describe things in a shocking, hyperbolic way, but I think a lot of times I'm in line with what's what's happening. Even you, though you think I'm crazy, eighty five percent of the time. No, but you're good with you're good with the numbers too. You're good with, I think I thought I set good numbers, but you made you make better decisions than I did. I think um, relative okay. to those. I'm numbers looking forward to with Ohio not State. looking like an idiot. Yeah, this is four to six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. Uh, thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, where else can you get it? That's probably it, right? Apple, Other Spotify, place, Apple, Spotify, or, Stitcher. Just wherever, wherever you get, yeah, your podcast. wherever you get fine podcasts. I was going to say SoundCloud, but that's like a rapper thing, right? We had uh, our old podcast Buckeye Talk on SoundCloud at first, didn't we? We did. I paid for it. Yeah, it was expensive. Hmm. You can subscribe to the Athletic. You can still get forty percent off theathletic.com slash four dash six. We'll get you forty percent off for a year's subscription, and you can catch all of our. Written content in addition to the uh, bonus episodes we do at the end of the week where we let you guys sort of ask questions and drive the show. Uh, but for this one, we're not going to do that. For this one, we're going to uh, evaluate Ohio State at the midway point and see how wrong we were. Bill is a huge coffee dude, and I just realized he's yeah. drinking out of an Auburn mug. And I don't know. Is that a coincidence? or It's not a coincidence, actually. You pulled uh, it out of the out of the cupboard because uh, just to kind of... I like, uh, when I visit places, I like going to college campuses, if I can, if it makes sense. And last summer, uh, my girlfriend and I were in Dallas when we were at the opening when mm-hmm. I was working in Cleveland Common, and we drove to Georgia to go to the beach for a few days, and we passed through Auburn on the way. And when I'm on these college campuses, I like, to, I like to grab something. It's usually either a hat or a coffee mug. At Auburn, I grab both. I got an Auburn bass fishing hat that I like, but I kind of ruined it. But today of all days to be using this mug after what happened to him on Saturday. They were the best team in the country, right? They were the – well, and they according lost. to a few people, yeah. Yeah, and then they lost to Florida. And now Florida plays LSU, um, which actually, that's a good segue, an unintentional segue, because I did want to mention Ohio State 6-0, they're ranked number three in the AP poll. The first college football playoff rankings don't come out until November 5th, so that'll be the Tuesday that's after Ohio State's second bye week. So the Buckeyes will play Northwestern and Wisconsin before then, and that'll be the sort of their final two um, analysis points before they get evaluated by the committee. If you had the guess right now, like if the playoff rankings came out tomorrow, do you think they'd be number one? No. I don't think they would either. You think they'd be in the top four? I think they'd four? be in the top four for sure. Um, I think they might be four. Yeah, I think they might. I actually think they would be three. Four or three, yeah. It depends. It's I mean, kind of hard because I, I don't know. In my mind, if I were voting in the AP poll, I would still have Georgia and LSU at the, in the top two spots just based off how they played and by virtue of the wins they have. Yeah. But then you sort of get into the collection of teams who haven't really played. I guess you could put Florida in that mix too. It's just a way, it's just a matter of how the committee and how voters view Michigan State, right? And if they view them the way that I view them, then I wouldn't put too much stock in it. it it's yeah. still a nice yeah. win. Um, and every year, like I, I remember last year when we were at Michigan State and Ohio State, did they beat them seventeen sixteen last year. It was like a one no, point last game. Last year was twenty six to six. Oh, twenty six to six. Well, the reason why I I said that is because I remember last year. Ohio State pinned like five punts inside the five, and that yes. was like the player of the game was the punter. Mm-hmm. And I wrote uh, at the time that that was a fake good win, and people went crazy on me. <laughs> They're like, why can't you just let us enjoy any any single win? It's like a big win against a ranked opponent on the road. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It was a big win, but in the context of whether or not this team is good enough to win a national championship, I thought it was still another telling telling game regardless of what the result was in, in terms of what the end result was going to be and I feel a lot differently about this win even though I still view Michigan State as the same you know lacks talent in comparison to Ohio State good defense at home and I think that it's funny because this game played out exactly the way I thought but we both thought it would uh, if I, I got to go back and listen to the podcast and how we described yeah, I think it but your score was a little closer than mine 
you know, 34 to, to 10. Happened, and Closer to what happened in my life. Yeah, so it'll be cool. Um, but, yeah, I just I think they'd be in the top four because they passed the eye test and they have a pretty good win. But I think they still have um, their biggest resume bullet points are still ahead of them. Yeah, I think I think they would be safe safely. I, I think I can say safely in the top four. It's just I, I would I'm fascinated to see. Well, I guess hypothetically, what they would do with Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson because all those teams are undefeated. All those teams are in the top three of the AP poll. Ohio State and Georgia are tied at number three, and uh, Alabama and Clemson are one and two. Um, but they I think that would be the top four. But they haven't really played anybody yet. I'm just, I, it doesn't matter if you're in, you're in. I think I don't yeah. think it should matter where you're ranked as long as you're in. But I would be curious to see where they put how they stacked Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama given who they played. But before the rankings come out, Ohio State will have played Wisconsin. Alabama plays A and M this week. Uh, Georgia will have played Florida. Clemson doesn't play anybody. Um, LSU plays Florida and Auburn. So so these teams have a lot of games. Oklahoma plays Texas. There are games that are going to really matter and it can shake up the, the playoff rankings before the first one. First ones come out. Um, Ohio State's top 10 in the country basically in everything you'd care about. Um, I don't think there's any need to run through that. They just, they've just been dominant on both sides of the ball. So I, I, that'll get me to my first question, I guess. So we're at this point, they're 6-0. and Just sort of in general, we both picked them to have one loss. My loss wasn't in these first six games. I don't think yours was either. I think, I think no, honestly. Was it? Um, did we specify exactly where? I said they were going to lose to Penn State. I don't know if you did or not. But I didn't. Th- I, I thought at this point they'd be 6-0. Okay. I, I don't remember if I specified, so I guess um, forgive me if, if I specified something else and you remembered it. But I thought there was a chance that of all the trap games, you know, in quotations, we're not going to use that. Yeah. I thought that Michigan State was a tricky place on the schedule the week before a bye week. Um, you know, feeling good about yourself, then a team with a very good defense could test Justin Fields for the first time before the year. And we're going to get into this more, but that was during the time in which I thought that Justin Fields wasn't going to be perfect. Yep. <laughs> um, and I thought he that, that de- yeah, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. that defense was going to come in and if he was still kind of shaky, if Justin Fields wasn't as good as he was, then that game could have been closer than it was. In my opinion, Michigan State game. Yes, yeah, he he did some stuff with those. So, like really the mattered. fact that Justin Fields is more advanced than we both thought he was going to be at this point, especially me, um, that kind of changed the thought process of the season. Because if you go back and you look, how many times has Ohio State lost the game that you thought they could lose at home in the regular season? There's only two times I can think of. One Michigan State in 2015. Even though people view that as an upset, that was the biggest game of Ohio State season that year. And then the Oklahoma game uh, two years ago when they lost yeah. to Oklahoma at home. But those are the only two big game losses of the Urban Meyer era, aren't they? My Virginia Tech count? Uh, no, I don't know. That wasn't really – I guess it's tough with the benefit of hindsight. I guess coming into it, it was a pretty big game. Yeah. It was like Ohio State got dinged in the in the rankings because Braxton got hurt, and there was some level, I think, of we need to validate that we're still that good, and then they lost. Yeah. It's it just like, to me, in these seasons with Ohio State, at least in the recent past, it's not those big games that you think. I muted that before it, too. It's muted. It's a new iPhone feature. It's a new iPhone feature on the same exact phone as the one I already had. Um, it's not those big games, though, Bill. Yeah. Penn State didn't always seem to me that, but like now they look like the best team on the schedule. For sure. I think they are. And now Ohio State has a very nasty second half. It's on the road at Northwestern, home against Wisconsin, then they're off. And then they come home against Maryland, go on the road to Rutgers, and then home against Penn State on the road at Michigan. You forgot Maryland, I think. I said Maryland. You did? They're home against Maryland after the bye week. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not – They've got two games that are that should be blow-by games, and then the rest of them are going to be kind of tricky. I think Northwestern's a blow-by game. Northwestern stinks. Yeah, Northwestern's probably a blow-by game. I don't know. I don't know if it's any different. It's Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's maybe a little better than we anticipated. At least they look that way right now. And then, I mean, Penn State, Michigan back-to-back was always going to be tough. Penn State might be a little bit better than, than we thought they would be. They're um, like Ohio State, uh, top 10 in the country in yards per play on both sides of the ball. Uh, they looked really good defensively. Um, maybe not quite as consistent offensively, not as consistent as Ohio State has looked, um, but they look very good. It's, it's, it's without, without a doubt they're the best team on Ohio State's schedule, which I thought coming in, I just think maybe they're a little better than I thought they would be, um, which is why I had that game pegged as, as Ohio State's only loss. 
Um, but now I don't. Which know is crazy because before the year, the over under for their win total was eight or eight and a half. Like I think Penn State's people, was. Yeah, that's free money. Wish I would have known that. I'm not a betting man, but I wish I would have known that. Um, if you were a betting man, you would have. If I were a betting man, mm-hmm. I was a betting man uh, one time when we were in Iowa and it was legal in the sports book, and I went home with my hat. Tell them what you did. I, and then uh, by account, may, uh, kind of influenced me to do what I did at the sports book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I tell bought, everybody the, the genius pick you had. I bought I bought too much into the Maryland hype when they were playing Penn State on that Friday night and bet on Maryland and lost my bet. I don't know what thirty seconds after the game think started. The, <laughs> the bet was over before the kickoff started, but plus six and a half because at this Iowa sports book you couldn't uh, buy up points for whatever reason. I guess they're still figuring out how gambling works, but yeah. Um, Let's put it this way: You saved an extra ten bucks without having to buy up on that hundred. <laughs> Instead of one hundred and twenty, you lost one hundred and ten. Congratulations! I also bet. I also bet on Cal that night against Arizona State and lost that one too. So that was the first time I bet, and it'll be the last time I bet. No, the first time you bet. No, he that came was the over first to time. my house. That was the first for Super Bowl four years when ago. The Broncos won. Peyton Manning. Yeah, I don't know what year it was. Yeah. and I think Von Miller was seventeen to one. To win the MVP and Landis is like Von Miller seventeen to one MVP. Let's do it, and we did it. And he won. And he won it, and yeah. I was just looking at him like, God, you are unbelievable. <laughs> and then I let him, you know, he had free, free reign. I he didn't take his money, and he started betting on like Philadelphia college basketball teams, and it was losing, uh, and he lost the money. Did I bet on? Oh, I bet on St. Joe's. Joe's. I, I think yeah, was your big like St. Joe's against like Villanova. Yeah. I got smoked. <laughs> so he's uh, good at uh, prop bets. He's just not good at the games. Yes. Yes. Don't ever take gambling advice from me when it comes to games, especially college football games. Okay, but like, so generally speaking, back to Ohio State, where are they? Not even, not even in terms of record wise, how they're playing, where they are in the national landscape. Where are they relative to where you thought they'd be coming into the year? Okay, so where I thought they would be, um, I thought they were going to end, and that was going to be a full step behind Alabama and Clemson. Like in that second rung, you know, you've got the elite of the elite, maybe even yeah, put Georgia in there, the years, yeah. and then you put Ohio State in there in the four, five, six range in terms of overall programs in the country. And, you know, I think it takes what happens in a full season to change your, your positioning in the overall rankings of program. Yeah. It's the difference between in-season rankings and where I would rank them as a program. But I think they are up in the top tier with Georgia – and I don't even know where you would put Oklahoma in that tier. I think they're probably up there. If, They've if, been in the playoffs. So I'd, I'd put them up there in the elite tier, and I think that they belong on the same field as Alabama or Clemson, which I cannot believe I'm saying right now. Yep. But I think they do. I mean, I think Alabama starts seven true freshmen on both sides of the ball, which is a pretty large number for a place like that, which to me seems like, you know, without being an expert on Alabama's program, if Ohio State was starting seven true freshmen, wouldn't we be saying that's not the plan? Yeah. So that can't be the plan there. And then Clemson, of course, is looking like Clemson is a 2015 Ohio State up there. So I don't know what would happen if Ohio State lined up with Clemson on Saturday. But I do think that based on the way Justin Fields is playing, the way the defense is playing, um, the way those two teams are playing and some of the intricacies of what we've learned about those two teams, that they would belong on the same field. And before the season, I would have laughed at you if you said that. Yeah, it's funny because I think that sort of at its base level and maybe it's different because urban meyer left but but that's where ohio state should have been like we should be, should have been thinking of ohio state in those terms for the last seven years and and 14 and 15 they were there i know they didn't get to the playoff in 15 but they were every bit as good they would have won the, i said last podcast or maybe two ago they would have won the national championship that year if they would have gotten into the playoff they haven't been there they've been they've been a step below that since 2015 and i guess part of it is a byproduct of how those other teams are playing but yeah they look like they look like if they're not the number one team in the country, it's impossible to say right now. They look like they should be in that conversation for sure, and I think there's a sound argument to make that they are the best. And I think team a lot of people are making that argument. And that, like that's kind of how you yeah, know. Yeah. It's like one thing if the two Ohio State beat writers are saying, "Hey, this is the deal." It's not just us, but when yeah. you start seeing other people who view college football from a national lens, you know, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, I think, wrote that after Saturday, sent next to him in the press box, and that was his takeaway. Yep. So it's like you know we we know this team and we know in our guts usually when this team belongs on the same field and last year uh, when I wrote what I wrote after the Michigan State game I knew they didn't but now I think they do and I think even more so that means that you know moving forward into the season that we're going to be putting them in that category yeah and I didn't I like I said I expected them to be 6-0 and I expected it to be more, much more of a of a I don't know if struggles too too strong of a word but not as thorough 
as it's been, not as really as clean as it's been to get to this point. Um, the first five games were all blowouts. I know that the, the opener was kind of weird because they scored a lot early and then scored a ton late, but that was a blowout. Every game's been a blowout. Every game's been a super comfortable win. And even Michigan State, for I mean, it was 34-10. to 10, was the first time they didn't crack 40 points. I never really thought that game was in doubt. I, I thought Ohio State was clearly the better team and just had to sort of figure some things out on the fly with the way Michigan State was defending them. But then that, again, I thought turned into a very thorough win. Um, and everything that this team has done, for the most part, has been easy on both sides of the ball, and I didn't expect that. I thought that they would struggle a little bit offensively because Fields was new, um, and Ryan Day's in this new role where he's calling plays and being the head coach, and I thought that the defense would take more time to come together, and like everything came together almost instantly. Um, and I thought this was their most impressive win of the year. It was weird. It was, it was the most was, telling win for the future. I it think. was their worst. I would agree. It was their worst game, their worst performance, and that's relative. But also probably their best. Because you game. can't you can't be playing your best game every week. That's that's. Right. I don't care how good of a coach it is. Every year, every team has letdowns, and if Ohio State can win through letdowns, that to me is more telling than beating up on a team that has no chance when you're playing well. Yeah, and I don't think I, I would agree there was a letdown in the sense that they that Michigan State started doing some things that they weren't ready for. I don't think like they were. I think emotionally they were. Ready yeah, for the yeah, game. yeah. Um, but Michigan State like came out and was very physical from the jump and was, was doing some things defensively that that I think Ohio State did not anticipate and they had to figure it out on the fly and they didn't. I thought that was impressive because I don't know. I think because figuring it out on the fly with a sophomore quarterback would have been one of the things on the bulletin board before the year, saying right. what could cost them a game. Right, it's hard, um, and I thought they did a pretty good job. Pretty good job of it. Um, okay, let's do over unders. Let's look. Okay, at let's do it. If I get past the Eagles hat there and grab the notebook, Bird's hat. <laughs> Kelly Green. They need to go back to Kelly Green. There was a good story about that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to plug a Philadelphia Eagles story in the Athletic because like people listening to us care. But there's a good story on the Athletic by Bo Wolf about the Eagles not wearing Kelly Green. Um, the first over under we did was Nicholas Petit Frere starts at right tackle. I said it at three. We were both under, so we were both right, but we we're also both totally off on the premise of what's going to happen at the right tackle because yeah, when they needed a new right tackle, it was Josh Allenby who started against Nebraska and started uh, the first two series last week against Michigan State. But you you need to make the specification. I think you made this point two weeks ago. But if something were to happen long term at the start with a starter at right tackle, do you think that they would start? Do you think that Alibi would be the permanent would be the permanent um, resolution to that, or do you think that they would start grooming uh, Petit Frere? I think they would try to groom Petit Frere. Like if Brandon Bowen didn't play because he had back spasms apparently against Nebraska, it's like a one week thing, which he said was a one week thing. But then Alibi started against Michigan State was not very good on the first two series, and then Bowen came in and played, and he also was not very good. And he said it might have been the worst game he's ever played afterward um if the calendar had been different and like they knew bowen was hurt and there was a bye week i think maybe they would have tried to groom petite frere to be the right tackle instead of josh Allaby. Um but it was Allaby. but we were wrong on the premise that that the right tackle battle would carry out into the season and that maybe petite frere in the end could could take that spot from brendan bowen but i, I wonder we like, both said like two or one didn't we like we thought that he was gonna at least start one game yeah yeah we were both under the three but we, we moved uh, the line from one to three we which was the poor line. line movement yeah is there any reason to be concerned about that spot? I think they've got three guys. I think that the, no, I don't know. I, I mean that that I don't know if they could block uh, Chase Young if he was on the other team, which I guess probably wouldn't happen until Penn State's defensive line is really good. Northwestern's defensive line is decent. Um, it just wasn't good against Michigan State, and Michigan State continually attacked that side of the line. Um, and maybe Bowen is playing still hurt a little bit, and he'll get healthy during this bye week. I just I have like half an eye out on that position with two weeks ago until their next game, and I'm I'm just a little bit curious about what might happen, what might happen with the, all three of those guys at that spot before they get on the field against Northwestern. Chris Olave catches, we said, at 42. You went over and told me I was crazy for setting it at 42. I went under. Uh, you said you would have gone over 50 if I set it at 50. So far, he's got 15 catches, two and a half per game. That didn't really help us in this last game. Two and a half per game. He didn't catch a ball, right? I don't think he caught a pass yeah. in this game. He's yeah. on pace for 32 in a 13-game season. And he'll probably play 14 I games. cannot believe that. It makes sense to me. But what about the premise, though? Yeah, well, my my thought on it was that you can be – I still think he's probably this 
the most naturally. Oh, I guess maybe it's Garrett Wilson. The second most talented receiver on the team, but also not be the guy who gets all the targets just because of the way the passing offense is set up. KJ Hill is still the leading receiver. Um, Victor Ben Victor is ahead of Chris Olave, which I guess is a little surprising. I wouldn't have assumed that coming in, but this I'm not surprised by this. I think this may maybe it should be a little higher than 15, but I'm not surprised that he's on pace to be under the 42 that I said. He's the best receiver on the team, in my opinion. And the reason why I said way over is because that's what I thought, and I don't know if that's crazy or you're going to tell me I'm nuts. I don't think it's nuts. Well, I mean, there's, I think, there's I mean, half a season left. There's half a season left, but you know, at this pace, I, I, I'm surprised that he went receptionless. They did. He did throw. Fields did one, throw Olave yeah. one ball, and he caught it like out of bounds. And it was a beautiful catch, right? It was a really good. It, catch. Was like, it would have been a big gain. Yeah. Uh, KJ Hill receptions. We said at 47 because that would have given him the record this year. We were both over. He's at 27. He's on pace for like 60. He'll get there. Yeah. Uh, this one was interesting. Demario McCall total offensive yards. I said at 449.5, which was an average of Curtis Samuel's first two seasons because I thought his role would be similar to what Samuel's was in those first two years. We both still said under. <laughs> He's got 48 yards. Eight yards per game. No, is that right? He's averaging eight yards per game. I thought he'd have a role. He doesn't have a role. Like, at all. And I think I said he wouldn't. Yeah. You were pretty adamant that you didn't think he would. He has had zero role on the offense. Right. Which I am I'm, I'm a little surprised by. The way they talked about him all summer was like, we gotta, he's got to be the number two running back. He's got to be the number two running back. And I didn't think Is he even a number, the number four running back I now? didn't think he'd be. Uh, I guess he's the third, technically. But... No, I guess he is. He's not because it's Teague, yeah. and then like when they're getting the garbage time, then Crowley, Crowley comes runs. into the game. Yeah, yeah. So he's the fourth running back, I guess, at best. I don't um, know if he's banged up again behind the scenes. He's still returning he's, kicks. You know, he's returning kicks. He's not on the report, so I, I don't know. His, I didn't think he'd have a monster role. I thought they'd try to use him situationally. He's not a running back. Not. No, I know. I didn't. I, well, I also said I didn't think he'd be the running back. I, I never thought he'd be the yeah. number two tailback. I don't I know why he was ever in the room. It's his natural position. He's not a natural receiver. And, and if you're an H, I don't think it really. Like, he's, a, he's a hybrid. People get confused by H and hybrid. H is just a slot receiver. Hybrid is a hybrid. Hybrid is Percy Harvin. Hybrid is, per, is Curtis Samuel. Um, he is that. They don't really use him in that way. That's what he is. I think it's fine that he's in the running back room because that's his natural position. But he's best utilized as a hybrid guy, but they're not they're not using him at all. The only way I would ever use him would be to drop the ball into his hands in any creative way and let him run. Yeah. I would never give him the ball and say, go through the offensive line right now. Well, ever. They, well they haven't. <laughs> yeah. so, so I guess I guess they've been listening to you. Uh JK Dobbins rushing yards. I set the over-under at 1505, which would have left them number two all-time behind Archie Griffin in career rushing yards. You said slightly under, which I actually thought was a good guess. I said over. He has 826, 138 rushing yards per game in a 13-game season. He is on pace for 1,794 rushing yards. So about 200. You want to tell them about our uh, little car bet while we're on this topic? Because I owe you 50 right now. I have to pay you right now. He does owe me 50. We were driving back from Nebraska having a conversation about J.K. Dobbins. I don't know why we even got on the subject, but it's just the things we talk about in the car. And we talked about J.K. Dobbins' prospects as an NFL player. First, it was about his speed. Oh, first it was about we're talking his speed. about how fast how he was. How fast he was. And I conceded that I don't think – he's not the fastest running back Ohio State's ever had. Mike Weber was faster. I think Master Teague is faster. I don't think playing running backs all about speed. And then Ari said, "I bet you he doesn't run for a sixty-yard touchdown this because year." Because I am down on his breakaway ability based on speed. Yeah. And I said, and I tried to move the line to seventy, and he wouldn't let me. So he we did 60. sixty. And I forgot about it. And then J.K. had a sixty-seven-yard touchdown. And I looked at him in the press box, and we both realized it. We were laughing. And the thing <laughs> that is so, so annoying. Much was that the defender, I don't remember who the defender on Michigan State was, but caught him Josiah from 15 Scott. yards behind him and went for the strip. So my point was correct, and he did end up getting the touchdown, but the point I was trying to make was that he didn't have the breakaway speed to score long touchdowns in college football because people would catch him from did behind. Did it have to be, because even if that guy would have caught him, caught him from behind, it would have been like a 60 It had to be a touchdown. Run. It had to be a touchdown, right? 
Yeah. And the guy erased 15 yards of gap room, and maybe he had an angle, but it was it took he him t- 15 yards to erase a 25-yard lead. Yeah. That mathematically didn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying. So, like, you won you won the bet, and, like, I know you're happy that you won the bet, whatever, but, like, whatever, in yeah, just theory of what I was trying to say, well, you're doing it over here with the over-unders, right? You're saying, well, we were right and we were wrong. But here's what our theory was. I'm telling you what my theory of this bet was, and you technically won the bet. Mm-hmm. But what the reason I made the bet is still a fact. He doesn't have the breakaway speed to score from 65 yards away without somebody catching him from behind. And I don't know if that was always the case with the other running backs on this team the last four or five years. And it might. Yeah. And like the thing about it is, and J.K. is having a wonderful year. I don't want people to think that I, I, I'm coming down on him. But I will say that if he breaks the line of scrimmage in a playoff game and he's running – on what would have been a touchdown on all those Zeke touchdowns that you remember from the 2014 playoffs so fondly, and he gets caught from behind and it turns into a field goal instead of a touchdown, you could lose a game because of that. I mean, it's a big deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You don't think it's that big of a deal to score touchdowns? Ask Auburn how big of a deal it no, is to score touchdowns. No, I think it's a big deal to score zone. touchdowns. I don't think you have to have a running back who can score 70-yard touchdowns all the time. I'm you know who was super can, fast? Mike Weber was super fast. You know who's a better running back than Mike Weber? J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a great running back. The old, but we weren't talking about whether or not he was good. We were talking about whether or not he was fast enough. Yeah, but, you're, but now you're taking it to a place where you're saying they could potentially lose a game because he can't run for 70-yard touchdowns. No, I'm just saying it's a – You have greater you problems it, than your running back if that's the case. If he can't finish drives, that's your problem. That's not J.K. Dobbins' problem because he can finish runs in the red zone. $50. As it pertains to – as it pertains to my – to my thought process, you weren't wrong. I you wasn't wrong. wrong. I'll you give you the you fifty bucks, but I wasn't wrong. That is what in the biz they call bad beat. That's a bad beat. Maybe it'll be on Sports Center. <laughs> uh, Justin Fields rushing yards. We said at seven ninety eight. Uh, we both went over. I think we're both going to be wrong. He's got two hundred and eighty three. He's actually the third leading rusher on the team. Master Teague has more rushing yards than Justin Fields does by a significant margin. He's got four hundred sixteen. Um, he's averaging forty seven per game. He's projected in a thirteen game season to have six hundred and thirteen. He's carrying the ball 9.5 times per game. Is he running less than yes. you thought he would? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, I, yes. I, I agree. Um, and I think it might increase more. Both I think on it a, might increase too, and I'm writing about this on – it'll be up later on Monday about – and it's, it depends on the opponent. I thought he should have run more against Michigan State. We did State. talk about that in the press yeah. box. We're like, this is going to be the 20 or 17 or 20 carry game. It ended up not mattering, but I thought he should have run more against Michigan State. I think he'll have to run against Wisconsin. I think he'll have to run against Penn State. Do you think that's a – you mean a, in terms of giving or taking? Or do you mean more design runs or more scrambles or what? I think they need – no, not more scrambles. Scrambles are scrambles. You yeah. can't really predict those. Um, I mean calling more zone read plays. And giving him were, the option. And giving him the option, which they they didn't do a ton. And it's not – you can't always tell exactly whether or not he has a read on the play. I just sort of look at the offensive line. If there's an unblocked player, I assume that there's a read there. Sometimes they were blocking that end. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes he would make the right decision. Sometimes he didn't. Um, I just think they need to make him more of a run threat. And they but did. if he would have pulled the ball in certain situations where it was maybe a read and he gave, they might have broken the game open earlier. Yes, and I thought that the offense did start to open up once they started to run him a little bit. They still didn't run him a ton, but I think they ran him enough to to make Michigan because if State you're a if you're a uh, the opposing defensive coordinator. Who are you more concerned about stopping right now from as a running back? Or, I mean, from a running standpoint, the running back, right? Sure. Because, like, I don't know. Like, Fields has proven in spurts that he's good, and I know that we he has that in his Larry Johnson toolbox. But I don't know. <laughs> Larry Johnson says the word toolbox a lot. Just fun yeah. fact. Um, but we haven't seen it a lot, so I don't know as a coach if you game plan for it. I think it's like one of those things where until he does it, you got to just stay – Trying to stop Dobbins. Yeah, I agree. And Michigan State did have guys. They were bringing in extra linebackers or safeties down into the box. I think to key on Fields in case he kept it. So they had a good plan. It's not like there were. It's not like there were openings for Fields to run on every single play, and he just didn't do it. Um, but I just think I think it probably needs to be. I know why it's not part of the offense. I get it. You want to protect them. You have to protect them. Because do you think that's why? It's one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. I asked Ryan Day about it. I I one hundred percent believe they're not running him more because they are afraid to. Um. And I think that makes sense. I just think it, you might encounter games where that doesn't that that can't matter because yeah, well, it hasn't course. hasn't happened yet. You get to a point where you have to win the game by any means necessary, it hasn't and all happened of a sudden yet, you. But I think it might. 
you just don't want him to to hurt himself when you're when you have a game in in the bag. And like you said, yeah. the Michigan State game, even though it seemed like it could have been a nice addition to their offensive game plan, I don't think there was ever a moment that Ohio State was fearing or in danger of losing that game on Saturday. So you don't want to lose your quarterback in those situations. Yeah, I, th- I thought they did a good job being patient because they could have started running him in the first quarter when they had 16 yards total offense and they didn't do it. They, they sort of waited and then and picked their spots at the right time. Uh, we did yards per attempt. In the preseason for Justin Fields, which I actually, in hindsight, don't think that was that interesting. I said it at 9.3. You were under. I was over. He's at 9.2. It's going to be right around that number. Uh, Chase Young sacks. I didn't even set the number, and you said over before I said it, uh, and you're going to be right. I said it at 10. He has 8.5. I said under. You said over. He's on pace for 18 in a 13-game season, which would be Well, the reason why is because you thought that other offenses would game plan specifically about double-teaming him and taking him out of games and making Yes. And Michigan State did that. The, Michigan State was like the first team that kind of successfully did that. Um, they rolled out away from him. They would double team and triple team him. They read him a couple times. He had finished with half a sack and I think a tackle for loss and four tackles. He f- found ways to impact things in other ways, uh, in a really in a really good way. Um, but his production was down, I guess, by his standards. And maybe you'll see more of that moving forward. But he's definitely going to hit the over because he's going to get one and a half. Or two more sacks the rest of the year. Well, you're good at winning bets that you don't deserve to win, so maybe. Uh, That's true. Maybe he won't have another sack for the rest move, of the year. Maybe he'll move the Malibu. <laughs> Get a place on the beach and start training for the draft. You'd hit. <laughs> That's true. And then you could tell everybody how right you were. I can. I like being right. Uh, I games Jeff Halfley would coach from the sideline, which is another way of saying will their defensive coaching structure work? I said it at one. We were both under. He's been in the box the whole time. It's working. Um, Josh Proctor interceptions was the last one we did. I said it at three. We both went over. So far, he has one. It was garbage time against Florida Atlantic, I think, um, in the first game. I think he can get. He can still more. get there. Yeah, he played a little bit. He's helped by the fact that Isaiah Pryor has transferred, so he's the second deep safety behind Jordan Fuller. He's been playing quite a bit. He's played a little bit. They they he was out there uh, on Saturday when they were doing some nickel stuff. He made a nice play, breaking on a ball that was kind of thrown underneath. and made a nice tackle. Um, I think you'll see him more. So right now we're off pace for that, but I'm not out on that yet. I, I think, think we did a pretty good job of setting the lines. Yeah, I think I think we might be able to hit that. Josh Proctor three interceptions before the season's over. We both were over. We'll see. Do you want to do offensive and defensive MVPs for the first half? Or sure. Is boring? All right. Who you got? Offensive MVP. This is kind of so stupid. You said sure. We're okay, fine. We're offensive there. MVP, we're I would there. say, is Justin Fields because I'm breathing and it's the quarterback, and I know you're probably going to disagree with me because your eyes just rolled into the back of your head. No, I'm but, just trying to think. You know, I just he's like – the most obvious one for he's, sure. Yeah, if you don't want to – do you want to do non-obvious JK's, ones? I mean, J.K.'s played really well. He's running. He's running very hard. He's doing what they've wanted him to do. I, like the home run hitter stuff aside, he's running very hard and very physical, and I think has like a different way about him than he had last year. And the offense is largely predicated on the run. They have the most rushing off, most rushing yards in the country. And while Justin Fields impacts that, it's not like he has half those yards. Most valuable. No, player. I understand. Like the easy, obvious answer all the time is the yeah. quarterback, and it gets amplified when there's literally nobody behind him. There is a very solid argument you can make for J.K. Dobbins to be. The Ohio State the is in the same category as Alabama right now, in my mind, because their quarterback is 700 steps ahead of where it was. It's not because J.K. Dobbins is running harder. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Justin Fields is playing very well, um, and I think he leads the country in total touchdowns. His like total offense numbers are like compared to other quarterbacks in the country. I'm just I'm talking about the whole package. No, I understand. No turnovers that. except the one that so he had on no, Saturday. I, I know. He's playing yeah. really well. I'm not. I'm not yeah. trying to say he's not playing well. Um, he's not setting the world on fire. I don't think compared to the other guys you you compare him to in that conversation. Um, he's having an excellent season. And he's scoring a lot of touchdowns and he's been very smart with the ball and he's very good and I think he's going to get better. And I think I would still pick him as my MVP too. I don't think it's as cut and dry as you think it is. I think that, I think they're I think JK needs to be a part of that conversation. Let's play this game because it's a podcast and Let's we can make it. up fake worlds. Yep. If you remove JK Dobbins from this roster completely mm-hmm. from before the season, what's Ohio State's record right now? Six and zero. Oh. 
if you remove Justin Fields from this conversation, yeah, is it one hundred percent six and zero? Oh? No, because his they backups probably, are Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganoff, and like that's not like Justin Fields didn't go and well, I guess he did. I was going to say he didn't go and pick off his backups, but he kind of did. And that's why they're in that situation. Um, yeah, he's the most important player on the team because his backups are terrible. Like that's obvious. So well, I don't think they'd be. They probably would not be six and zero. Justin Fields wasn't the. I mean, I still think they might be actually six and zero, which is why I'm smirking. But maybe not. Maybe they would have lost to Michigan State. I guess. But my. Yeah, yeah, maybe they would be. Six I mean, I, don't know. I guess it's just like if you ask a question and it's so. I know, like you're playing devil's advocate here, and you're trying super hard to like come up with a non-obvious answer. And I just took the low-hanging fruit and made the obvious answer. But how about when we do defense, we just don't say Chase Young, and then we pick somebody else. Because I don't want to have this conversation again. I mean, but it's more obvious on that side of the ball. I think. I think it's more. It's way more cut it's, and dry on defense, and it is Chase Young. But if you want to pick a non-Chase Young MVP. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot. I think you could, like Okuda would be a good one. Yeah. Um, although I still don't think those guys have been tested a whole lot yet. Did you put Baron Browning in there? Yeah, but it's also hard because he's only on the field for half the snaps. Yep. I would pick maybe Malik Harrison. I think like Devon Hamilton would be a good pick. He's not on the field for all the snaps either, but he's played really well. Um, I think Pete Werner's played well, and he's in a very important position. Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller's played well. Um, yeah. So the, the non, whole defense. The non. I, well, my the non Chase Young defensive MVP. My pick would be. It's Okuda. Okuda. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. If you can't pick one top five pick, just pick the other one. Yeah. Sean Wade's played really well too. Yeah. No. They, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, they have a lot of Chase Young is the best player. Like that's not. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. It's actually not a conversation if he if he's included in it, but if he's not included in it, it's an interesting one. But I think it'd be Okuda, but it's not the gap there. I think is small. What else did I have on there? Doug not t- me, not me. Don't look at me. It was my computer. Doug texted me. Okay. Uh, is there a player on the roster? I think we can end on this. Is there a player on the roster that we have not seen a ton of yet that you think we might see more of in the second half of the season or someone whose role you expect to dramatically increase? And, like, I have Chris Olave in my mind when I ask you that because of how much his role changed toward the end of last season. Is there anybody on this team right now you can see having a similar kind of path? Master Teague. Yeah. I mean, unless you think he doesn't count because he's already playing quite a bit. No, I mean – Because Tony Alford said after the game on Saturday, and I, I asked him. What is the you know your ideal? Do you, would you rather have a single back like J.K. or would you rather have a platoon situation? And he said, a token coach speak answer of whatever helps us win, um, <laughs> which is conveying zero information whatsoever. But um, he also said unprompted before I asked him that question that he needs to get um, master in the game earlier. Yeah, like I agree with that. so if he if he thinks that, then. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that, you know, we're going to get closer and closer to that idea. I mean, the guy's got 400. He could rush for 1,000 yards this year. For sure. So if that happens, then you're going to have, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who's going to have 1,700 yards and 12 touchdowns at the end of the year. And then you might have this um, sophomore uh, redshirt freshman. Which one is he? I can't remember. I think he's redshirt freshman. Um, with a thousand yards and you know five or six touchdowns, that's going to be a very good situation for Ohio State, because the the fact of the matter is too, and the reason why I'm going to pick him, if you does he count? Does T count? And for yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ohio State might be in a weird situation at running back next year, and like as much as you want to feed J.K. and but if J.K. leaves, Ohio State's uh, running back room is going to be Master Teague. Crowley, Steel Chambers, and whatever freshman they end up with in the 2020 class, mm-hmm. and Teague's going to be the guy. I don't think you want him to go into that season with 90 total carries. I think he's probably going to get 200, 175 yeah. or 200 carries this year. Do you have the stats up? Yeah. How many carries does he have? 66. And how many shake have? Like 116. 116. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty close. That's closer than I like uh, than I would have. And a lot of it too is that yeah. he just plays a lot in the second half when Ohio State's up by 100. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if they if he He's he's averaging six point three yards a carry, and runs really hard and is faster fast. than the starter. So I I think it would be a nice change of pace. And J.K. like you said is running like a madman, and he is in the MVP conversation in Ohio State's offense. I think it would behoove Ohio State to 
preserve his body a little bit in spots where they can mm-hmm. because he's going to be needed to run like a madman if they're ever on the same field with Alabama. And, you know, it's not that big of a drop-off in my opinion. Between Dobbins and Teague? I mean, it is, but it's not drastic I don't think enough. It's, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's huge. I don't think it's huge. I think I think JK might be able to get you something out of nothing more often than Teague can, but Teague runs very I mean, hard. JK is more much more shifty. Yeah, but Teague is fast. He's very fast. What about the receivers? And is anybody in that room who's rolling? No, I was I was asking questions about Jamison Williams, and I don't think he's going to get on the field much. I don't know if they can mix him in. Yeah, I don't know if I'd mix him in, but he is so fast. He is. He might be the fastest guy on the team. Yeah, I would think he is. Yeah. Um, Garrett Wilson has 10 receptions this year. Three of them are touchdowns. I mean, I thought he'd have more catches than 10 six games into the season. I think he might. And I don't know if you think he's going to be like in the Michigan game catching three passes in the third quarter for touchdowns the same way that. I think he might be. Because he would be my pick because I don't know there's anybody else to pick. I think he'd be my pick out of anybody on the team. I, I, I think on defense. The only guy maybe you could, you could consider is Josh Proctor if they get him mm-hmm. on the field more, or like Baron Browning if it's going to become less of a rotation at middle linebacker and he's going to be the guy more often than not than than maybe him. Tyreek Smith maybe. Tyreek Smith if he, if he can, can get, get healthy. healthy if he can get healthy I think that'd be a good one. Um, Zach Harrison I thought played pretty well against Michigan State maybe he can make a push and, and become uh, a more regular contributor defensive end. Um, but I think I would pick Garrett Wilson. I thought it was interesting when the offense was stalling a little bit in the first quarter against Michigan State. Like they got Wilson on the field, they threw him the ball right away, um, and, and he made like, a play. And he got like a fifteen-yard completion yeah. out of it. And like he's not his touchdown. His one touchdown catch was ridiculous um, against Miami, Ohio. His one against Nebraska was really good. I think he's a very important red zone target for them when they have to throw the ball in that area of the field. And he has not been as productive to this point as I thought he would be. I thought he'd be a little more productive, but I also think that his role might start to change, and he could be on that. Olave track a little bit. And he's be already proven to me, and I remember we were talking about this. I don't remember if it was before the season or last week or two weeks ago, but remember we made that scenario of like, if you could play 500, that game we used to play where you threw the ball into a group of friends and whoever came down with it got the points. Yeah. I still think he's the best go-up-and-get-it receiver on this team. Absolutely. And yeah. in the red zone and in situations like that, like Clemson – beat the crap out of Alabama last year because they had receivers go up and get the balls in critical situations in the national title game last year. Mm-hmm. And as good as K.J. Hill is, I don't think I've ever really seen him do that. It's not really his game. It's not his game. His game is, you know, catch it in space. Really and good run route and runner. Very good route runner yeah. and creates, you know, space. Um, ben Victor, I cannot figure out for the life of me. You know, one I still play, can't one, believe he dropped that ball. One, one play he drops it and the next he's – running down the sideline and doing a 360 in the air and almost fumbling it out of the end zone but scoring a touchdown. Nicest kid in the world, you know. But, you know, I don't know exactly how I feel about him. Sometimes I'm like, come on, man, put it together. And the other times it's just like, holy crap, this guy's guy's talented. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, this is a high-end four-star prospect Mm -hmm. who is six-foot whatever. It's it's, He was like a borderline top 100 player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like this. And then Austin Mack, too, is a really good route runner. Yeah, and he makes really he, he Austin Mack's weird. He's the kind of guy, and he's been like that through his entire career. Like he'll make the highest degree of difficulty catches you can throw his way. He'll make, but then he might like drop a slant where he's wide open, um, which I guess I'd rather have the guy who can make tough catches. Um, but I think Wilson's got the most complete package out of all those guys. Olave is older and been in the offense longer, so I still think he's probably their best receiver, even though statistically he's not there. Um, but I think Wilson. I think you could actually put Olave in the conversation for MVP. I think I would Olave? take Olave over um, Dobbins. Olave? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? What's the really? He just changed his game. Sell me on that. How? I, I, I mean, first of all, he blocked the punt, and I don't know if that counts for offensive MVP. But yeah. you know, no, I, I, see what I, saying. I don't yeah. know if I could remove one player from this team, and I had to pick between Dobbins and Olave. I think I would remove J.K. first. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but I see where you're coming from. Olafe does a lot. He hasn't been super productive, but production production is not everything. And he can only help it when the he can't help when the ball gets thrown his way. So I would disagree, but I don't think it's And I think that's crazy. definitely a point that should be disagreed with. J.K. is a wonderful player. 
but <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's it. It's a really good player. They need both of them to beat Alabama. I'm just yeah. saying, like in this weird, and it's like you don't want to like. I'm not disparaging anybody, so I don't want it to be taken that way. Yeah. But when you're having the discussion of MVP, sometimes I think it's important to put it in those terms. Yeah, yeah. Olave, I've just been high. I would like pick him if I were creating a college football super team. I'd want him on my team. You really like him? I do. I don't think that's unwarranted. I think he's. I think he's. I think the best. The best is yet to come. Too. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think they need to t- start targeting him a little more because he's a he's a he's a game breaker. I think that's the one thing that they don't keep on the college football stats a lot of time targets. I think Ohio State might. No, there's somewhere you can find them. Yeah. Um, I don't want to look it up right now, but I don't think it's not like he has 15 catches that has been targeted 30 times. Like that's. Yeah. I think he might have 15 catches that have been targeted like 18 times. Um. I I would want of all the receivers. If I need a big play of all the receivers right now, like based off what we know, I'd want the ball in his hands before anybody else's. But it's crazy because Ben Victor has been like responsible for some of the biggest plays of Ohio State's last three. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, and he it's has. Like, and he's, yeah. He's, it's, but he's also it's up and down. Up and down, and I think Olave is is pretty steadily up, even if his numbers don't really reflect that. Okay. Anything? Else, any other thoughts on the midway point of the season before we wrap up? Should we go over our budget for the week now, or? No, I think we can do that off okay. off, micro, off microphone. Yeah. Okay, we'll wrap it up there then. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of 4 to 6 with A and B. Again, if you could, please, we'd appreciate it. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. That would help us out tremendously. If you are listening to this and you are not subscribed to The Athletic, you can get subscribed at theathletic.com slash 4-6 and get 40% off there. Get access to everything we do, all of our college football coverage, all of our podcasts. It's a pretty expensive network. Um, If you're someone who cares about not only Ohio State football but college football in general, I would highly recommend it uh, because we do a really good job. I think the best job of of covering the sport and the landscape as a whole. Uh, Ohio State's off this week. Back home or back at it in two weeks uh, on a Friday night against Northwestern. Uh, we will still have our our bonus episode for subscribers. It will be a different day. It'll be on Thursday because of uh, travel plans for the week. So it'll be a little earlier. We'll put out the call for questions a little earlier too. Go ahead. You're can, I give, can I give a, a wedding shout out to my boy? Who's your boy? Tim and Nina. Congratulations. Can't wait to celebrate with you guys this weekend. Thanks for the invite, guys. I appreciate it. I've been told I'm the life of the party, and uh, you're going to miss out on that. You also kill parties, so I don't know what it is. Wow. All right, we'll discuss that on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>